We have been in the book of Ephesians for a few weeks now, a series called Grace Made Visible, in which we've just been uh, walking through the letter. And uh, the, the first half of Ephesians, so chapters 1, 2, and 3, uh, even though the original manuscripts don't have chapters and verses, we've got those after the fact to kind of help us find our way through. Um, but the first half of the book of Ephesians is, was really heavy and sort of theology and doctrine and all the stuff that like nerds like me love, okay? Uh, I would argue that we all should love doctrine and theology, but, but I know some of us love it a little more. And, uh, but that was kind of the first half of the book, all right? Chapters one, two, and three, all about God's grace and, uh, and just all the kind of sort of layers of that. Uh, and then last week, we kind of turned the page into chapter four, which is chapters four, five, and six get super practical, okay? That's the grace made visible, okay? Chapters Four, five, and six are really how all that doctrine, all that theology, how it plays itself out in real life, like how you live, how you walk, how you interact with others, how you, right, all those things, like how you actually uh, practically live out the things that he talked about in chapters one through three. And so uh, this is actually how, uh, how Paul begins it uh, in, in chapter four, verse one. We looked at this last week, so we're not going to go through the whole thing again, but he's he says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Okay, so beginning chapter 4, verse 1, Paul's saying, hey, this is how you walk in this new life that you've been given through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, but to walk in something or to walk towards something means that there are things you have to no longer walk in or walk away from. Okay? Because most of us, just physically, like you can only walk in one direction. right? You can't walk towards multiple things at the same time. And so what Paul's saying here is, hey, there's things you want you to walk in. That's what we looked at last week. Uh, but there's also things uh, that you've got to walk, uh, no longer walk in or walk away from, which is kind of the principle for this morning, where we're going to jump in in verse 17. Uh, let me give you, if you're a note taker, uh, I got two big, two big chunks, right? We're going to break our text up this morning, verses 17 through uh, 24. We're going to talk about the principle, okay? And then verses 25 through 32, we're going to talk about uh, those principles, what they look like in practice, all right? So let's start with the principle starting in verse 17. All right, here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, Notice where Paul begins, right? First, he begins with a, uh, a negative example, right? If you look at it, he says, hey, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Okay, now remember the context. If you've been here for a few weeks, you know this. 
church in Ephesus made up of both Jewish Christians, so Christians, they, they put their faith and trust in Jesus, but they're from a Jewish background, but it's also made up of Christians from a Gentile background, okay? So imagine, like, you're sitting here on the back row uh, of the church in Ephesus, sitting in the pew, and all of a sudden you're hearing this letter read, and it's like, you must no longer act as the Gentiles do. Imagine hearing that as a Gentile Christian, right? There's a part of you that's like, we're right here, okay? <laughs> Right? But, but Paul's not talking about the Gentile Christians uh, in the church. He's not talking about Gentile believers. Right? Paul is talking about those who uh, are, are still outside of the church, those who are still unbelievers. And he's saying, hey, uh, you are not to walk as these unbelieving Gentiles walk right? because they were far from God. That's what, that's what Paul wrote back in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, he's talking to the Gentiles. He's like, hey, you used to be alienated. You used to be far from God. That's who you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. Okay, so Paul here, he's talking about Gentiles who are still strangers, still aliens, still far from God. And he's saying, hey, you don't walk like them, okay? Because these Gentiles who were unbelieving, who had not come to faith in Jesus Christ, who had not put their trust in him, uh, they still acted like lost people which should not shock any of us. Lost people are going to act like lost people, right? And so Paul's saying, hey, the Gentiles are lost, and so because they're lost, this is how they act, but you're not lost anymore, so you don't need to act like a lost person anymore, all right? And the, the Gentiles, here's, here's how they act. It says in verse 19, they have become callous. They have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Right? So Paul says, saying to the church in Ephesus, hey, they're lost. That's how they walk, which shouldn't surprise you. But again, you're not lost anymore. You've put your faith in Jesus. You're indwelled by the power of the Spirit. So you no longer walk as they do, because that's not consistent with who you are. And so that's not the way you learned Christ. That's not the way you were taught, is what he's saying here. And so that type, what he's saying is that type of downward trajectory that we saw him kind of lay out for the, the Gentiles, right? That they were uh, they had thinking wrongly, the futility of their minds. They were ignorant. They had hard hearts. They were uh, calloused. They were, they were living recklessly. Paul saying, like, that is inconsistent. That sort of trajectory is inconsistent with your new identity, this new life you've been given through faith in Jesus, Okay. And then from there, Paul goes on and he, and he lays out sort of the, the, the principle. And this is going to sort of drive the rest of our conversation this morning. Uh, it's a very one-sided conversation because I'll do all the talking. Um, just the way it works. Here's what, here's what Paul says. Here's the principle, verse 22. He says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Okay, then you jump down to verse 24. So you put off the old self, no longer walk in the old self, verse 24, and put on the new self. Right? Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, so here's the principle sort of distilled and condensed down into like a semi-succinct statement. All right? Christian growth is the lifelong process 
of putting off the old and putting on the new. Right? Christian growth, what the Bible calls sanctification, maturity, is the lifelong process. It means like it's not a one-time decision. It's the lifelong process of putting off the old and putting on the new. Okay? And so we're going to throw it in park here for a second, chat about this. Because um, for me personally, like one of the challenges of preaching is, one, preaching short sermons. Two, <laughs> I'm self-aware, all right? Two, uh, like coming up with helpful illustrations, Okay? Thankfully, this week, I didn't have to come up with an illustration because Paul just lays it right out here for us, okay? Uh, and the, he uses this metaphor of putting off the old, putting on the new. It's like this, uh, this idea of changing clothes in the sort of original language, right? To put off the old clothes, to put off the old outfit, to put off the old, and to put on the new, okay? And so he's basically, he's talking to those who have trusted in Jesus. That's important to understand here. He's talking to uh, the believers in the church in Ephesus, He's saying, hey, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, which means uh, you, you kind of have two options to you here. You, there's two outfits available to you. There's the old you, right? the old self, the old outfit that's like torn and ravaged and uh, stained from sin. But you also have this new outfit, the new self, your new identity, this new life that you have in, in Jesus. Okay, so, so to kind of, Put some to that. When Paul talks about the old self, he actually refers to uh, what that was like back in chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. It should be on the screens. But this is Paul describing the old self in chapter 2, first three verses of chapter 2. He says, And you were, past tense, old self, dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Right, that's, who, that's who we were before Jesus. So if you're here and you're a Christian, like that description was you before Jesus. Right, that was your old self. Now that, that looks different for each one of us. Okay, depending on kind of when you came to know Jesus, like that's going to look different. For some, um, man, like for some of you, that old self was uh, a life full of, of reckless, rebellious, blatantly sinful living. Like the kind that if you think about it too long, still brings you some amount of shame. All right, that's some of your stories. All right, that's one end of the spectrum. But on the other end of the spectrum, there's maybe the old self for you was just a life of sort of, legalistic sort of uh, religious rule following because your understanding uh, of, of the gospel was that you had to be better, try harder, look the part, uh, impress God with your best efforts. Okay, maybe that was you. What I think is really interesting, like those are two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Sort of wild, reckless living and sort of uh, religious rule keeping. Those are two opposite ends of the spectrum they're both a rejection of God. Both of them. Wild and reckless living says, I don't need God, I'm gonna do whatever I want. Whereas sort of legalistic, religious rule keeping says, I don't need God, I can get there myself. Right? They're, they're 
both a misunderstanding of the gospel. Neither one of those things are, are the gospel, right? And so, back to the point, though, like, like we all have an old self, even if you were saved and baptized as a young child, okay? You still have an old self. The Lord was just really gracious uh, to, to save you from, from where that old self could have gone had you continued in that way as you got older. Okay, or here's another option, one that I think is, is common. Is, uh, it's, it's my story, just to be transparent with you. It's probably a lot of our stories. Saved, baptized as a young age. I was saved, baptized at nine years old. Uh, Lord spared me from a lot of rebellious living stuff until I got a little independence. And then I was like, huh. Got to messing around in places I didn't need to be, right? Found that old self hanging in the closet, and I was like, let me try this on for a while. See how this goes. Only to find out that it overpromises and underdelivers. Right? So regardless of what it looks like for you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have this old self. Okay? Now, we're going to come back to the old self in a minute, but I also got to say this. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you actually don't have an old self. You just have a self. Because okay? if, if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, you don't have this new life, this new self that Jesus promises. Right? You, you, it's not yours yet. Okay? If, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you, you just have a, a now self. And it's all those things that Paul just described, right? Following the passions of your flesh and your corrupt desires and you're alienated, separated from, from God. That's where you are now here this morning if you've never trusted in Jesus. But the good news of the gospel is that God in his grace has invited you into this new life that is available to everyone here. Some of us have stepped into it. Maybe you're here and you haven't stepped into it, Okay. To, to use the metaphor, like God has offered you this brand spanking new outfit, new life, new self. All right, he has offered to clothe you, like remove your uh, sin-stained, ravaged, tattered garments, to clothe you in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. All right, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to get your act cleaned up first. You just come as you are by faith. Trust in Jesus, and he clothes you in the perfect righteousness of Christ. All you got to do is repent, acknowledge your sin, admit your sin, turn from your sin, trust in Jesus, and it's given to you on the spot. It's a pretty sweet deal, right? Now, back to the metaphor. So all those who have, have repented, turned from their sin, trusted in Jesus, have been given this, this new wardrobe. It's a new outfit, new self. Um, your sin-stained, uh, destroyed, unrighteous old outfit exchanged for the perfect righteousness of Jesus. Uh, and, and it's this new self, this new outfit that Paul says to the Ephesians, hey, put this on. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Okay? But here's the deal. Even though it's given to us freely as a gift of God's grace, right, that we just receive by faith, by trusting, we still, day after day after day, have to choose to put that on. 
Right? And this is where I think this illustration of sort of changing clothes, changing outfits is so helpful. Um, like most of us, I think we probably change our clothes from day to day, right? Like you've got to make a conscious decision what you're going to put on each day. And it's the same thing with this, right? Every day, those, you've trusted in Jesus every day. You have to make a choice right, to put on the new self because every day, every day when you wake up, you can put on the new self, or you can reach back in the corner, back corner of the closet and put on the old self with its corrupt desires and the passions of your flesh and sort of futile thinking and living that is inconsistent with what it means to be given this new life through Jesus. Right, so every day you've got to make a conscious choice to leave that old self hanging in the back of the closet. Okay? Now, so remember the big idea. Christian growth is the lifelong process, the daily process, day after day after day, uh, putting, on, putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And, and I think I said this earlier, this is really just this idea of sanctification. It's what the Bible calls sanctification. It's, it's spiritual growth. Okay, every day, you will have to choose. I will have to choose. Am I going to submit to the Spirit and put on the new self, this new outfit that fits who I am in Christ? Or am I going to submit to the passions and desires of my flesh and put on the old self, this old, outdated, worn out, sin-stained garment hanging in the back of the closet that doesn't fit who I am anymore? Right, that's a decision that you and I are going to have to make every day. Okay, and then, so from there, there's the principle. From there, starting in verse 25, Paul begins to lay out, here's what this looks like in real life. All right, this is the, the, the practice. Here's what it looks like to put off the old self and to put on the new self. Right? Verse 20, I'm on the wrong page. 25. Therefore, so based on what he just said, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. All right, so here's... Um, Paul given sort of a, a sample platter, if you will. All right, you guys ready for lunch? If not, you are now. All right, this is like a, this is like a Paul giving a little sample platter, right? Of like, here's what this looks like. If you're going to put off your old self and put on the new self, here's some practical examples that this looks like in, in real life. Okay, and, and also, let's be clear. 
It's not enough to just put off the old self. Okay, it, like you got to put something back on. Again, when you put clothes on in the morning, like it's not enough to just take off your PJs. Like you go to work like that, they're going to send you back home, depending on where you work. And if you work at a place where it's okay to... It's a separate conversation, okay? Like you got to put something back on. So that's what Paul's saying here. It's like, okay, we're going to put off this old self, but then we got to put on the right thing in its place. we got to put on the new self. And here's some examples of what that looks like. Right? First is put away falsehood. Put away falsehood and speak the truth with others. So this is uh, speaking truth and, and speaking honestly both to one another and about one another. Okay, so it's both like, Hey, do not lie to one another, but also do not lie about one another. All right, so, so speaking, I mean, go through the list. Speaking uh, with dishonesty, lying, gossip, slander, uh, making false accusations, promoting unfounded speculations and conspiracies. Like, like these things are inconsistent with what it means uh, to walk in the truth. Right? And, and as people who have trusted in Jesus, we should walk in the truth because verse 21 says, the truth is in Jesus. Right? We put away falsehood because to walk in this new life that we've been given, the new self should, should love truth, promote the truth because the truth is in Jesus. Okay, He goes on from there. He says, uh, he, he jumps to anger. Right? Be angry and do not sin. So first... I think it's worth pointing out, like, anger in and of itself is not sinful. Right? There's a way to be angry that's not sinful. Okay? Uh, you, you can be angry. I would contend that the people of God should be angry about some things. Because, trigger warning, God is angry about some things. I know that's not popular in today's world, right, that God could get angry. Because... God loves everybody and love wins and all that. Like there's things that God gets angry about. And those are the things that should make the people of God angry. Okay? Uh, but there's a difference between sort of righteous anger and unrighteous anger. Okay? Righteous anger is aligned with the things that, that make God angry, that break his heart. Right? Those are things we should be angry about. Okay? Uh, but but uh, unrighteous anger leads to some of the things we see down in verse 31. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Right? And, and those are things that Paul says, hey, you've got to put those things off. Okay? If you're the kind of angry that leads to just being bitter towards people or lashing out in, uh, in malice or, or thinking that it's up to you to exact vengeance, like, you've got to put that away. Right? That's unrighteous anger. That's inconsistent with, with what it means to put on the new self. Right, you got to put those things off, and you got to put on what he says there in, in verse 32, right? Kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. Okay, from there he goes on, verse 28, he talks about, he gives this example of a thief. All right, let the thief no longer steal. And now most of us, we kind of hear that, and we're like, well, I've never stolen anything. I'm, it's, not, it's not me. All right, I'm not one to go into Target and pocket things and walk out with them. Um, and maybe that's true. Maybe you haven't pocketed anything from, from the store, okay? But it is tax season. It's possible to steal. 
How honest are those tax returns? Right? It's made everybody real comfortable, uncomfortable. You, you start combining like government and money talk in church, like things get real weird real quick. So I'll just back up from that one. Okay. Now listen, I, I have, here's what I say. I have no doubt that you can spend your money better than the government can spend your money. Okay. But it's actually not your money. It's God's money. And he's entrusted it to you for a short period of time. And you will be held accountable for what you did with it. All right? So the, 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 the idea here, the application is not just, it's not just don't steal from people. It, it really gets to the heart of that. It's like greed. Because what does a thief do? Just tries to accumulate everything for myself. I'm going to get it for myself. Don't really care how it affects other people. I want it for me. And so what Paul's saying here is like that's inconsistent with this new life, right? We, we, we should not be so bent on accumulating for ourselves and getting for ourselves and, and, and like stealing from ourselves that we rob others, that we, that we fail to live with generosity towards others. Right, isn't that what he says, right? Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. All right, living, like living just obsessed with accumulating in greed like prevents us from living with the kind of generosity that I think the Lord would want us to live with. Right, to, to reflect the character of God who is a kind, generous, giving God. Okay? Then the last example he gives. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. And I think um, that over the years kind of has just been like reduced to like, okay, don't say cuss words. Okay, and I think it's a good start. I don't think Christians should cuss. I just think cussing's lazy, personally. Um, we can have a conversation about that. But this is so much more than just don't cuss. Right, this has to do with uh, like, just the power that your words have. Right, James, in his letter, says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Like, you have, uh, you, or James warns about the dangers of the tongue. Proverbs, even in the Old Testament, warns about life and death and the power of the tongue. Your words have power. Right, whoever came up with the sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. They're a liar. Because right? that's not true. Your words have power. Right? Your words have the power to build up and encourage and strengthen. Right? Or your words have the ability to tear down and destroy and inflict pain and harm. And so what Paul's saying here is, hey, as the people of God, our words should be words that, man, that, that bring life, that encourage, that build up. Right? Now listen, I'm not saying that we always have to ignore like issues, like sometimes we need, again, we're people of truth. We need to speak the truth. But if you were here last week, I didn't really touch on it, but if, just a couple of verses before this, Paul says, even when we speak truth, we do so in love. Right? It's not our role to like tear down people with our words. Like that's not what the people of God do, right? So the, the point here is, is hey, let, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. It's, it's, our words should give life, should build up, should encourage, not inflict harm on other people. Okay? So these are all just, just examples. Okay? And then he gives this catch-all statement. 
He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not, think about what he said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So when we choose, and I'm talking to Christians here, okay? When we choose to put on the old self and to conform to corrupt desires of our flesh, the passions of our flesh, when we, when we conform to this old pattern of life, Paul's saying, you grieve. You grieve the Spirit of God. Like that language, that's language of like of relationship, of an intimate relationship, like a personal relationship. Like when we live out of our old identity, when we wake up in the morning, we're like, you know what? I'm putting on the old outfit because I don't really feel like I don't feel like living this way today. When you put on the old you and you live out of the old identity, the Spirit of God mourns. Mourns. Right, here, here's what it's like to go back to think of our overall analogy about putting on clothes and changing outfits. Whenever we choose to live out of the old identity instead of this new identity, whenever we try to, to put on the old self instead of putting on the new self, it's like receiving this brand new custom-tailored, high-dollar, classy outfit. And rather than putting it on and showing it off so for others to see, it's like taking that and throwing it in the corner of the closet and instead picking back up that old outfit that's all worn and tattered with stains and holes and doesn't fit anymore because that's not who you are anymore. And it's putting that outfit on. And the text says that grieves your heavenly father. And it grieves your heavenly father because he purchased you that new outfit and gifted it to you. And though it was free for you, it came at a great cost. It came at the the expense of his son. And so when you choose to put on the old self, man, the father who's given you this new outfit, he grieves, he mourns. So so here's the application for you this morning. We think about what to do with this. Here's just some questions to kind of prompt you to think, because I, I don't know if you're like me. I mean, I, I take time to process. Like, I got to think through things. So here's some questions I would encourage you to think through, right? Is what do you need to put off in order to put on the new self? Okay. Like, what attitudes and behaviors of the old you before Jesus? Like, what attitudes and behaviors of the old self are you still most tempted to wear? What corrupt, deceitful desires from your former way of life are you still most prone to walk in? Okay, maybe it's some of the things we covered on this list. Maybe it's falsehood and gossip and slander. Maybe it's unrighteous anger and bitterness and wrath and malice. Maybe it's greed, materialism. I'm going to get everything I can for myself and hang on to it. Right, maybe, maybe it's, it's sort of harm, harmful uh, degrading, derogatory speech that, that inflicts 
pain and causes pain rather than builds up and encourages. Okay, that, listen, this is not an exhaustive list. Okay, so maybe whatever you struggle with is, is not even on this list. Hey, we'll come back next week. We'll cover some more things. We've got a different list next week. It'll be a great time. Hope you come back for it. Okay? But, but the reality is, is like, like, none of us arrive on this side of eternity. So all of us, to use our example, and all of us have got that old self hanging in the back of the closet. And if we're honest, all of us have tendencies to someday want to put that old self back on. So, so what is that for you? Okay, what is that for you? And then here's, here's the, the, the invitation to you this morning, is to acknowledge it. This is where I'm most tempted to, to live out of my old identity, to repent, to turn from it, and then to put on, to wear, to walk in this new self that you've been given through faith in Jesus. Okay, and here's, here's how we'll close this morning. Look at the first, we'll read the first two verses of chapter five. Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So again, I'm talking, I'm talking to Christians here. Like we just sang the song a few minutes ago that was, I'm a child of God. Right, that's my new identity. And so what I want you to see is, is this sort of motivation for putting on the, the new self, putting off the old self, putting on the new self. The motivation is not like guilt and law. Right, the motivation is not uh, do this or else. Right, the motivation is grace and love. Because how does, how does Paul refer to them? As beloved children. Right? Beloved children. So the motivation for putting off the old self and putting on the new self is not you better do it or else. The motivation is God says, hey, consider what I've done for you. Right? I gave my beloved son to adopt you into my family as a beloved child. And I've already gifted you and clothed you and outfitted you in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. You didn't earn it. You can't work for it. It's mine that I'm giving to you. All I ask is that now you put it on, you wear it, and you walk in it. All right? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, before anything else, we are, we are grateful. We are grateful that you love us, that you loved us in our mess, that you loved us, uh, Lord, as our old selves when we were in whatever it looked like for us, Lord, we were, we were corrupt and wicked and sinful. We were dead in our sins. And you loved us enough to, to step into the mess of our lives and to save. So for those 
here in this room this morning that we've trusted in Jesus, those who are Christians here, I, I pray that, Father, one, we would just stop and, and pause and, and remember the great links that you went to to show your love for us. And Father, I pray that, Lord, as we hear this word about putting off the old self and putting on the new self, I pray that we would hear that with a posture of, not that we have to do more for you, not that we have to do more to earn from you or to get from you or to obtain from you. Lord, you've already given us everything. You've given us life, new life, the promise of eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that our motivation for putting off the old self and putting on the new self, um, Lord, would, would, would not be out of some feeling like we've got to level up and, and earn something, but Lord, I pray that we would put on the new self because we realize that you've already given us everything. And our response out of gratitude would be, I want to walk in these things that you command me and call me to walk in because, Lord, we belong to you. Lord, if we've trusted in you as Savior, Lord, that, that means you're Lord. That means you call the shots. So would you help us to walk in the new self, to put off the old self? Lord, help us to acknowledge and identify Help us to actually like see where these things are true about us, where we're tempted to live out of this old identity. Maybe it's, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's uh, just with our speech and our, our talk. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that hasn't even been touched on this morning. The reality is that we've all got areas where we're prone to kind of slip back into old familiar patterns. And I pray that you would help us to see those for what they are as the old self that you would help us by your spirit to repent of those things, to turn from those things, and to walk in the new life that you've given us, to put on the new self. And then, Father, maybe there's one here this morning, multiple here this morning, maybe they've, they don't have a new self to put on because they've never trusted in you for this new life. I pray that you would prompt them this morning, or that they would repent from, turn from a life of sin and put their trust in you. Father, that's a work that you have to do. I pray that they would see uh, that you are good and you are gracious and you are kind and that your kindness is meant to lead them to repentance. So Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. Show us how you, you would have us to respond, where we would repent, where we would uh, walk in this new life that you have for us. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.